So I'm about to be completely trite, unoriginal, and unimaginative. And my fondest hope is that you weren't thinking, oh, you mean so like a normal Sunday morning. You're not thinking that, right? <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to mention the R word on this first Sunday in 2019, and I bet you can guess what R word goes with New Year's. New Year's, it might be trite, but it's absolutely true that time-bound people need fresh starts. And Maybe I'm weird, but, well, I, I am weird, but, but I get this little emotional response whenever I restart my computer or restart my phone. You turn it off and you reboot it and you feel like you've done something really good. For your computer, you kind of wipe the slate clean, and now it's going to run more effectively and more efficiently. Well, we're like that. I feel like we need a reboot. We need a fresh start. Every day is really like that. Scripture tells us in Lamentations 3 that the steadfast love of the Lord never changes. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. They are fresh every morning. So on a larger scale, a new year is a fresh start. It's a new opportunity to experience the faithfulness of God. So emotionally, you and I get to wipe the slate clean and and start again. So what will we resolve to do? Who will we resolve to be in 2019? Now, I can't answer that question for you as an individual. But we have this thing in common called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And as you've heard, we are a family, and we are a family on what? Mission together. So it's good and appropriate for us to, re, to, to think about what we might resolve to do in 2019, this new year. And my prayer for us is that we will resolve to be at peace people who stand in grace. That you and I will be at peace people who stand in grace. That's who we must be, and that's what we must do. So this morning, instead of returning to Matthew for this first Sunday of the new year, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you would turn to Romans chapter 5, and when you found your place, if you will stand so we can hear read together the word of the living God, Even though there are just two verses, way more that we can even get to this morning. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith, into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, your word, thank you. We hold it in our hands. Once again, your faithfulness stretches before us in a new year, and Lord, the way you guide our lives through your word. We pray that you would do that now, Lord. Bless the word that's been read and heard. Spirit of God, help us have understanding of it so that we might 
indeed truly be people of peace who stand in grace. Lord, what we can accomplish, we resolve to be and do that. Lord, you know, and we eagerly wait for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to make a bold statement. I'm going to say that grace and peace, it's the most important combination in all of Scripture, grace and peace. Now, that, that, that's why we need to resolve to, to be at peace and stand in grace in 2019. You, you may be a little weary by the time I get through the, the, the list that follows, but we need to hear it. And we need to engage in the repetition of it in order to understand just how important grace and peace are to us. You ready? Take a deep breath. You're going to need it. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 3. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1-2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1-3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1-2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1-2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1-2, to the saints and faithful brothers in the church at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. 1 Thessalonians 1-1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. 2 Thessalonians 1-2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1-2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1-2, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Titus 1-4, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. And Philemon 1-3, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I could have said, you know, the Apostle Paul begins every single letter we know that he wrote with grace and peace. The true statement. Every single letter we know that Paul wrote, you heard it, begins with grace and peace. But we needed to hear it so that this moment would be familiar. And, and, and you'll never forget the Sunday I read 14 verses saying grace and peace to you. But it's important because Paul, before he writes anything in his letters, and if we met, let our minds go, we begin to think of the content that's contained in all those letters, and it's overwhelming before Paul writes any of it. He begins, he orients his worshipers, those who will hear this truth, these letters read in their worship service, he orients them by saying grace and peace to you. And the Apostle Paul is not alone in this. The great Apostle Peter writes in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are exiles 
of the dispersion. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. In his second letter, first, verse, first chapter, second verse, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You can also add the Apostle John to this list of those who know the primacy of grace and peace for all things. Second John chapter 1, verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. The last book in all of Scripture, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Seventeen out of the 22 epistles in the New Testament begin with grace and peace. And so this combination, grace and peace, is the most important combination in all of Scripture. They're the starting point and the ending point. For everything we do and everything we are, Paul, Peter, and John are not using grace and peace to you thoughtlessly. In the same way you and I might begin a letter, dear so-and-so. Or in the way we might sign it at the end, sincerely. Or best regards. Because if you believe that, oh, these are guys are just like saying, hello then you are suggesting something about the inspiration of Scripture. That the Spirit somehow inspired thoughtless words or throwaway words or words that are just a filler or a placeholder or keeping time until the apostles get to what's really true and what's really important. What if these words are the main point? What if it's because the authors have come to know that God's grace and His peace in Christ is everything? What if that's the reason that author after author and letter after letter begins with grace and peace to you? The Spirit inspired these men to begin these letters with grace and peace. The Spirit inspired them to pray that the recipients of these letters would know the grace and the peace of God, that it would precede everything that they do, that it would be present in their lives, and not only present, but present in abundance before any other instruction is given. Grace and peace must be part of all our being and all our doing. In fact, it's this dynamic duo that's the source of all our being and doing. And so, grace and peace to you. Really, I mean it. Now let's take the two individually. And we'll begin with peace. Look in verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gift we just received at Christmas. For unto us a child is born. There's the gift. And his name shall be called Prince of... Yeah. What is peace? Now on a very basic level, peace is the absence of conflict. It's 
absolutely what peace is. Absence of conflict, especially concerning our relationship with God. And in these first four chapters of Romans, Paul has been establishing the fact that conflict exists between us and God. And he's established the fact that it is a universal conflict for all people in all places and at all times. And that's why we read this phrase over and over in these first four chapters. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. The Jew first and also for the Gentile. An example, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So it's an all-encompassing phrase. In Paul's day, there were just two categories of people. Either you were a Jew or you were everybody else. So Jews and Gentiles, that's everybody and everyone needs salvation. In chapter 3, Paul establishes or he describes the universal conflict, the, the, the universal peace stealer. Romans 3.23, you know it well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. You are a sinner. You are. And I'm not going to rob you of that truth or keep it from you. Because if you listen to other preachers who say, don't let anybody ever tell you you're a sinner. You might do bad things, but you're not a sinner. I I heard somebody say that. And about 50,000 people listened to him. So I'm just saying, you are a sinner. And if you don't believe that, then God's gift to you and to me will be meaningless in Romans 3, 24 and 25. It says that we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. And so Christ's blood shed on the cross, that is central to our faith. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in Christ... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. The cross is Jesus' gift to you and to me. On the cross, Jesus gifts His life to you. His life for your life. He did not withhold His life from you or from me because Jesus wants us to know peace with the Father because Jesus knows how good it is to have peace with the Father because the Father is so good. And Jesus has enjoyed that peace and that goodness and the unity of that relationship with God the Father from all eternity past. And so He wants it for you and for me as well. And so He makes that relationship possible. Your sin will always keep you from that peaceful relationship. Your sin will always keep you from God. And that's why Jesus is determined to do something about our sin. So if you don't acknowledge that you are a sinner, you will only ever despise Jesus' gift. You'll ridicule it. Mock it, call it ridiculous, imaginary, unnecessary. 
old-fashioned. And you'll never know peace. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. This message is as true for 2019 as it ever was. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one bit. If people believe it's old-fashioned. It doesn't matter if church after church believes it isn't hip or cool or culturally connected. To talk about sin. Or to talk about being at war with God. Because you know what? The war is real. And peace is missing. And only the gospel can fix it. Therefore, listen. The gospel is never going to be old-fashioned. And it's never going to be out of fashion. The gospel is always going to be cutting edge. The gospel is never going to have to be upgraded or updated or rebranded or re-imaged. The gospel is always going to be the the best and most effective and most up-to-date and exclusive reality that God is always going to be used to bring people to peace until Christ returns. So close the labs. Send the researchers and the developers home. Nothing better is ever going to be designed or developed and no more advancements are ever going to be made through faith in Christ And only through faith in Christ, you can end the war and be at peace with God. Do you believe that? I hope you have that peace this morning. And if you don't have that peace, let's talk. Find me. Let's talk about finding that peace. Because you need to have it. But... And you know what? And if you're here and you have that peace with God because you've been justified, but you still don't have peace because of sin in your life and you're robbed and you feel like you're still at conflict, let's talk as well. Let's all be in a place so we can find and experience peace with God, the absence of conflict. But but that's only part of what peace is. There's more to it. Are, Are you all familiar with the gospel project? Raise your hand if you're in Christian Ed this morning. Equip hour, I mean. Raise your hand. Uh, you're familiar with the Gospel Project, aren't you? You saw one of those videos. It's a great, if you're not familiar with it, you've you got to go online. Write this down in your bulletin, gospelproject.com. They're really short videos, four or five minutes, and they teach theological truths or they tell Bible stories. And they are theologically potent. And the illustrations slash animations Make them highly effective and memorable. The men watched the video on peace at our last breakfast back in December. And one aspect of peace that struck me, and and I think most of the men there, is that peace is more than absence of conflict. It's the presence of something positive. True peace offers the possibility of the presence of completeness or wholeness in your life. And one of the images or the animations that this video used was of a stone wall, big stone wall. And when you have peace, the peace that Scripture talks about, that wall is complete. The stone wall has no gaps, no holes. There are no broken down places anywhere in that wall if the wall is at peace. Now think of this. If every aspect of your life is represented by one stone, imagine the number of stones there would be. You might have a 
husband stone or a wife stone. But then you also have a daughter stone or a son stone. You might also need an aunt stone or an uncle stone or a niece stone or a nephew stone. And, and of course, there are grandparent stones. I have one of those now. And there's a friend stone and a neighbor stone and a co-worker stone and an employee stone or a business owner stone. And of course, my favorite is church member stone, followed closely by volunteer stone. Did someone say volunteer? 2019? On and on I could go with the stones that make up your life. And each of these individual stones that make up your life, they have a ripple effect. It's like if you drop it in the water. And the waves radiate around it, one after the other. That's your life, right? Your life is complicated. And all the relationships and how they all fit together, it's complex. Jesus brings peace to those. Wholeness, completeness. So that in your life, the stones fit together rightly. No gaps, no holes, no broken down places. Not only makes peace between you and God, but He brings wholeness and completeness in an all-pervasive way to all of your life. If you don't intentionally include Christ in all things in your life, your life will be like the walls of Jericho. And the walls came a-tumbling, crashed. You'll have stones falling everywhere. Marriage stones, parenting stones, financial stones, ministry stones. You'll have gaps and holes. And then the more gaps, the more holes, the less peace you will experience. And so my prayer for Redeemer this year is that we'll resolve to be people of peace. People who bring Jesus right into the midst of all that we do. People who seek wholeness and completeness from His presence. That will seek completeness and wholeness of all of life, but particularly here in our family at Redeemer. When we are people of peace, we will effectively have people of peace. We've talked about them so often. Make no mistake about it. Your peaceful life is going to be attractive to other people. They're going to know where you got that peace and how they can get some for themselves. And your peace is probably why you have people in your life right now who don't know the Lord, but they like you anyway. And so the Lord is going to give you gospel moments when you are a person at peace. We also have to bring Christ's peace into all our ministry. Sometimes when I think of ministry in general... And even here at Redeemer, sometimes the word fraught (laughs) comes to my mind. Ministry is always fraught with something. Fraught with fear. Fraught with anxiety. Fraught with angst. Because we got a lot of moving parts. we got a lot of moving people. And the desire of our heart is to serve people well. We want to be disciples. We want to make disciples. We want to connect people to God. We want connect people to truth. We want to connect people to other people who need to be ministered to. And we can become fearful that that won't happen or that it won't happen quickly enough or that it won't be done mistake-free 
or according to our expectations. And so ministry becomes fraught with fill in the blank. So my prayer is that 2019 will be a year of peaceful. Can we just all take a deep breath? Do this. <gasps> peaceful ministry here at Redeemer. Not that we won't work hard. Not that we'll be lazy. Not that we won't have passion. Or that we won't do things with things with excellence or the, the best of our ability to connect people to God and connect people to truth and connect people to others. we got to do all that, but with Christ's peace, seeking wholeness and completeness from Him so that all these ministry stones fit together. So there's completeness and therefore peace. Now, let's move to peace's partner, grace. Look in verse 2. Through Him, Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We've also obtained access to grace. So let's carry this completeness, meaning of peace, into this verse and access to God. Think of it this way. The road that leads to God is broken up. Sin broke it up. Sin demolished the road to God. So many chunks of the road are missing. And so much of the road has fallen away or washed out that the, that the road is totally impassable. So, if you start out on the road to get to God alone and without Christ, you're not going to make it. You're going to be forced to turn around and go back because the road is completely impassable. It's absolutely impossible to access God apart from Jesus. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. The way to God. Jesus has put the road back together. And so now the road to God, it's perfect. It's complete. It's peaceful in Christ. Every valley has been lifted up. Low places filled in. Every mountain has been leveled. The rough places have been smoothed out so that you and I can have access to God. So that you and I may approach Him. Is that good news? Ephesians 2.18, for through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 3.12 tells us that in Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Christ. So what do we access? When we access God, look in verse 2, we have access into this grace in which we stand. When you access God, you access grace. According to Paul, here in this verse, we stand in it. It simply means that you and I are now in a condition or a state of grace. What does that mean? Think about this for a minute. Think about the darkest, ugliest, most ominous, threatening sky that you can imagine. And bolts of lightning are coming out of it. And wind is whipping violently around you and you are there under that sky, completely exposed. You look around you everywhere, but there's nowhere to take shelter. Not one tree, not one rock, not one cave, not one ditch to dive into. No structure of any kind. That's the image of what Paul's been talking about in the first chapters of Romans when he talks about the wrath of God. Listen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
Romans 2.5 But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's wrath, the only way to escape it, the only way to find shelter from that ominous sky is to obey God's law perfectly at all times throughout your life without even the tiniest slip up. Not one wrong thought, not even one ever. Not one misspoken word, not even one, not ever. Not one kind or unkind or one unloving act, not one, not ever. If you can live this way, if you can live this way, you can escape the wrath of God. If you cannot live this way, you are always exposed to it. You are standing under it right now, both now and for all eternity. So we need some good news, don't we? And the good news is that God has a different state for us. God has a state of grace. Now imagine this. The clearest, brightest, most beautiful sky you can imagine. Glorious sunshine, white, puffy clouds, cool, gentle breeze, palm trees swaying around a lush oasis. That's grace. And you're standing in grace. And you are in a state of grace when you are in Jesus. Because here's what happened. Jesus perfectly obeyed God's law for you. And God accepts the perfect obedience of Jesus and credits it to you and to me as if you and I are the ones who perfectly obeyed. Even though you didn't. Even though I didn't, that's grace. Do you deserve it? Do I? No. And that's why it's grace. Because God gives it freely. And you and I just get to stand in it. Because God has rescued us from what we never, ever, ever could have done on our own. But remember, He's still God. He's still holy, holy, holy. He's still the God who said, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. He's still the God who said of the mountain upon which he was to descend, don't come near it. Don't touch it. He's still all that. He's still holy. But through Jesus, he says, come, come. You have access to me. You stand now before me in a state of grace. Is that good news? Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's my hope for 2019 is that we as individuals and together as a church access grace often. That we would delight to stand in the center of it which means that you and I come to God often. Whatever we do, every meeting we have, before we talk about any kind of ministry, we access the grace of God through Jesus. And that we would know that for those who are in grace, there is therefore now 
no condemnation. No more ominous, threatening sky. That should make, here's your cue to smile in the sermon. Freedom comes from grace. Freedom in knowing that God loves you enough to give His grace to you. Having grace makes you peaceful. The striving ceases. Whatever you're striving for, approval, acceptance, you have it. You have it. You have it from God through Jesus. You don't need it from anyone else. Free people minister so beautifully because they freely give to others what they have been so freely given. Free, grace, standing, people work hard for the Lord. Not because they have to. Not because they're trying to earn something from Him. But because they're eager, eager to rediscover the law through Jesus. Who perfectly fulfilled it. Living by the law of God becomes a beautiful thing for people who stand in grace. When you stand in grace, having no other gods before God, that's the joy of your heart. When you stand in grace, honoring the name of the Lord and never taking it in vain by the way you live your life, it's the joy of your heart. Protecting life instead of taking it. The joy of your heart, living by truth and not by lies. It's the joy of your heart when you're in grace. And and right on down the list of commands we could go. Loving your neighbor as yourself. All of this is a joy when you're standing in grace. Because you don't do it in your own strength. But in the strength that comes to you from the grace of God. Jesus has made access to God possible. And when we get to God, we get to grace. So avail yourself of it often. Go often to the throne of grace. Go to God. Soak up the grace you find there. I can't wait to see what happens. Honestly, this is not just preacher speak. This is true. I I can't wait to see what happens at Redeemer this year through people who resolve to be at peace, and people who resolve to stand in grace. People who will attempt daring things for God. People who will dare to be a disciple, a real one. People who will dare to make disciples. People who will dare to connect with God intimately. People who will dare to connect deeply with the truth of God's Word. People who will dare to connect others with the gospel, all because we are at peace and all because we're standing in the grace of God. If we do that, 2019, it's going to be great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and your peace. Lord, we could have neither one of them apart from you. So Lord, I pray that in all of our lives, we would seek your peace. Lord, first, that we would keep really short accounts with you. Lord, even as believers, sin robs us of our peace, steals it. We think you're angry with us, so we don't want to come to you, and everything spirals down from there, Lord. So help us remember peace is an end of the conflict. We can always come to you. We can always seek forgiveness. and We can always find peace in a right relationship with you. Lord, help us to remember peace is positive as well, that we seek you for all that we do in our lives. That we will know that we won't be whole, we won't be complete, 
Neither will any of our relationships in this life apart from you. So we seek your peace for our wholeness. And Lord, your grace, we thank you for it. You're full of it, full of grace. We come to your throne. We come to your presence. We get your grace. Amazing, Lord. So we pray that you would make us people of peace and grace in 2019. And Lord, for what you'll do, we can only imagine and we wait for it with great excitement and great anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen.